The NFL is back, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving all new players a can't-miss offer for week one. Bet just $1 on any NFL game during the first week of the season and receive $200 in free bets instantly, no matter what. Take advantage of this limited-time offer now. You heard right. DraftKings is giving all new players $200 in free bets instantly when you place a bet of $1 or more in any week one game. Head to DraftKings Sportsbook app now to check out all the great promotions and daily odds boosts. Plus, you can make every game a big game with same game parlays. And you know what I say, Brendan? Bet it all on the bills. Whatever your paycheck was this week, Put it all in the bills. Wise, wise advice. Well, to do that, you should download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any week one game. That's promo code THPN to get your free $200 in free bets instantly for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Taylor. Taylor, the Jack Eichel news we have been waiting for has finally arrived. That's right. He switched agents. That's yep. Yep. Big, big developments. Oh, yeah. No, not really uh, too big of a development, at least. I mean, it's certainly noteworthy, but Eichel has moved on from uh, his past representation is now being represented by Pat Brisson, who is an agent for most of the league stars. Um, A lot of very high profile clients for Pat Brisson. Elliot Friedman was the one who had initially broke this and it came out to under the most recent 31 Thoughts podcast that it had come from a place of Eichel being frustrated with how the process has been handled so far. And Friedman kind of went on to say pretty much as far as, you know, kind of saying, questioning Eichel's decision in in making this call in the first place and firing his agents, because the way that he had reported it was that a lot of the moves that have been made so far and the way that things have been handled have come directly from Eichel. And so Maybe it sounded like he was using his agents as a scapegoat, but I also would not doubt that Elliot Friedman's sources are Eichel's old agents too at the same time. So that also makes me wonder if the way that we're, we're getting this is uh, being distorted a little bit, but certainly noteworthy. Um, I mean, Taylor, you and I have talked about this uh, a pretty good amount over the, over the summer, really, just that there have been some really bizarre developments from just the statement that had come out to from Michael's agents uh, a couple months ago to this emoji BS that we had experienced last week. And, and so it does make you think, you know, if a lot of this uh, direction has been coming from Eichel, um, but now he's, you know, represented by Brisson again, who is, is very highly regarded and is a very popular agent around the league. So what do you make of this? Do you think that it is maybe gonna, you know, speed this process up a little bit and we'll see a trade soon? Or do you think that this is more so Eichel just kind of looking for a scapegoat at this point for this not happening? Oh, it's hard to say. I mean, at this point, what would an agent have been pushing or doing uh, that would make Jack mad? Like, it seems Jack very much wants a surgery that he's wanted for a few months now. It seems like he doesn't want to play here anymore either. 
and he wants a trade to go through and then to get the surgery, I guess. I'm not clear if anyone would, any, any team would allow him to do that. I don't think there's any, but any indication that that's the case. So it's weird. I think the last thing you said, there's a, a plausible explanation. I think sometimes people go like, oh, you know, I'm rich and I pay you a lot of money for something and I didn't get it. So you're out of here. I wonder what actual change will come from that, though. I mean, yeah. in some ways, I know I've already brought it up. The, the Harry Kane situation that's kind of a parallel in England but when it came down to it they didn't have to sell him and when it comes down to this right now in the NHL with Eichel they don't have to trade him I mean it would behoove them more so than it would have behooved Tottenham to sell Kane sure. but they don't have to trade Eichel and Adams well they don't have to trade Eichel this summer at some point they probably do have to trade Eichel but Adams knows that if they lose this trade, it's going to be very hard for them to rebuild in any meaningful way in the next couple of years without a ton of lottery luck, which unfortunately they already used in what's considered a weak draft or at least weak top of the draft. So it, it's a, it's an interesting situation. I mean, Eichel's yeah. no reason to, to want to, the team has no reason to let him get that surgery. He has no reason to want to be in shape and, be ready for camp in time or for the, to, the first half of the season in general, who knows uh, his agent really has no, I don't know. Uh, I, th- I think it's interesting. Now you, you mentioned uh person representing so many stars, that kind of agent also, it, it helps him, you know, as much as possible to help any of his, his clients, because that always looks good. But like, it's less so important for him than if he was a guy that had like 10 NHL clients and was struggling. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that's an interesting angle too. But yeah, I think we land at the end of this on, we still really don't know when Eichel's going to get moved and how far away is camp now? Less than a month. Yep. So Sneaking up. And a couple of points too. I think for one, and I don't know if you were just saying this, but one thing that I do disagree on is that I don't think that the Sabres need to quote unquote win in Eichel's trade. I think that they simply just need to not have a remake of the O'Reilly trade where you get practically no value in return. You know, what we've been hearing as far as what's been reported is that the Sabres were looking for, I believe it was four first round equivalent pieces. And so that's either picks, um, high end prospects or players who are NHL caliber, like in the league now contributing kind of guys like younger guys. Where I'm at, at least at this point, you know, the neck injury and whatever else you want to say goes into it has, has, whether we want to admit it or not, it has affected his value, obviously, like to a pretty substantial rate. For me, I don't know necessarily if, you know, the Sabres don't end up getting four really nice pieces back that I would call that a disappointment. At this point, if they can get a first round pick in the next two drafts, um not to say two just like if you get one that'd be great if you get the next two that's fine and a high-end center just that like a high-end center prospect young guy and that can go from a prospect to a young nhl player anybody who is just drafted so from like 18 to like 22 we'll say in that general age range who is a high-end top tier center prospect that's all I want. Those two pieces, just get it done at this point. 
I know, you know, I will totally hear the argument that, well, why not wait and see if you can get more once this gets a little bit more resolved and whatever, the smoke kind of clears a little bit and there's more clarity. I get that. But at this point, I just don't want the guy on the team. I I, I don't want him here. I don't want there to be some kind of reconciliation that they're going to say happens or whatever, because in reality, I don't think that that's going to be the case. And I think that if they end up saying that they're going to bring him back, like it's not going to make a difference because they're going to be in the exact same spot next year. Get a first round pick in either 22 or 23 and then get a top end center and just call it a day, call it a day, whether that is, you know, I, I mean, it, I don't know we've gone through the names. We've gone through it, whether it's Zagris in a piece whether it's Peyton Krebs in a first, whether it's, you know, Marco Rossi or, you know, any of those kind of younger guys. I mean, LA, you know, we'll see if they're still in contention right now, but I'm talking like somebody like just really good, like a good young player and a pick and then just be done with it. I don't think that there's any kind of a scenario that's going to arise where, the, the Sabres and Eichel are going to come to some understanding or, or anything like that, because it is a stalemate. And the reason why I also think that it's not going to, it's going to continue to be a stalemate too. What also came out, I believe on Friedman's podcast was the news that about a month or so ago, the league, the players association, the Sabres and Jack all met in Buffalo to hash this out. And the league sided with Jack and the players associ- or the league sided with the Sabres, I should say, and the players association sided with Jack, which again, to be expected, still is it some, some real tangible news, but I just don't think that there's any situation that's going to arise where the, where the Sabres and Eichel are going to find some kind of common ground and, the, and this is going to get worked out and you're going to be able to maximize this full value. You know, I, I think that there is a greater chance that Eichel gets this surgery and comes back to his usual self, his, his MVP caliber self, than him getting the surgery or not getting it and his career totally flames out. I'm not a doctor. I'm just basing that on being a Buffalo sports fan, that that is the inevitable, that like this dude's going to get it figured out one way or another, and he's going to go somewhere else and his career is going to be fine. And I, 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 and I believe like majorly that that's a big reason why I think that the Sabres should be able to get like high value for Eichel. Um, but I'm at the point now that like, I, I think that us swinging for the fences is, is, is a pipe dream at this point. If you would have traded him two years ago after the MVP season, before all of this started with the neck and all of the other injuries, then like, yeah, I would be all about Kevin Adams, like being at this point and not trading him yet. But we're just getting to this point where it's, it's the end of the road and it's a dead end. You got to do something here. And I just don't see a scenario, like I said, where some kind of common ground is going to be reached or where there's going to be some sort of reconciliation that either, you know, circles back to him staying or them figuring this out. And then they move him. I think it's just going to continue to be messy until he inevitably is traded at some point. Yeah. So to go back to one thing from earlier, I mean, in terms of winning the Eichel trade, I don't necessarily, you, you if you're trading him, you already lost. So you don't yeah. have to win the trade, but like, I agree with what you said, like they do need to get those two key pieces at least because that is, that's the foundation. You don't have a foundation right now, even with your two first overall picks on the roster, you don't have mm-hmm. one and you, yeah, sure. You have a, a couple of first round picks from this year. So we'll see. And you have the ability to get more first round picks and some, some uh, better deeper drafts coming up but yeah that's that's what's important but yeah a lot of it is just 
it's uh i don't know if it's kind of crazy hasn't happened yet we talked when it first basically seemed like he was going to get traded that was three and a half months ago that was more than 100 days ago we've literally done dozens of podcasts since then and not much has changed in in the way of anything really i mean there's been some interesting storylines in and out but at the end of the day it's like he still has his neck injury still wants this surgery they still don't want to do it like yeah it's and how much is this going to evolve like like what else can happen i mean him firing his agents is one thing you probably could have maybe guessed that i guess but like Aside from that, I mean, how else can this situation change other than the Sabres agreeing to let him get the surgery? That's the only other thing that can happen aside from a trade at this point. Right? I mean, like, how else can this continue to develop? Like, this isn't even like a develop. Like, it's just, it is what it is right now. And and that's why I feel like it's just going to be this never-ending stalemate. Yep. It's uh, bleak. Yeah. Not fun. Also, there was a rumor brief rumor that people even barely that's how far along we are on this people barely cared there was a rumor uh that it wasn't even a rumor there's a report that eichel was flying to montreal with all his hockey equipment and i was like whoa and then that was shot down as being important within like five seconds even yeah, though I, what was it, sure it was going true. to a some kind of like showcase thing yeah the bio steel sports uh showcase and so he's not playing in the games, he's doing like off ice stuff. Yeah. It's also been about six months since he's played hockey and that he's played like what now he's played roughly 20 games in the past 18 months. Yeah. Roughly. I mean, it will be more than 18 months. Like I mean, that. he might play 20 games over the course of two years, the way things are headed here. Not good. Yep. Not good, folks. Not super good. Not good. Super, super, super not good. Do we want to talk about something cool and fun that happened in the NHL this week? I don't. I don't recognize any such thing. I know it happened. Isn't that crazy that something like this happened? There was an offer sheet. Yeah. You know what? Leave it to the Hurricanes to do an offer sheet and make it just impossibly lame and boring, and make it impossible, like just impossible to enjoy. We wanted offer sheets for how long now? And we're going to get one, you know, that seemingly isn't going to be matched. And it's like, great. The, the epic meme, epic meme Kings of 2010 are here, 2007, even to, to ruin our fun. Well, okay. Okay. Signing bonus. Because it's the, because it's Carolina, it sucks. And I get it with some of the specs around it, why people are annoyed or whatever, but like, I think all in all, it's for the league, at least a good thing that it's happening. I mean, I, I have a hard time thinking that the Canadians are going to match a $6 million offer sheet for one year for Kota Niemi. I butchered that. Um, and I know the signing bonus, what, what, what is it, like a $20 signing bonus or something crazy like that? Yeah. But like, I don't know. I mean, maybe this is going to make GMs have to rethink the way that offer sheets are approached. Now, maybe this leads to more of them happening. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's something at least. I, I think uh, you and I are both in agreement that offer sheets should be way more prevalent um, and, and be used. You know, uh, there's this I, I hate how there's that whole weird like mentality, I guess, that GMs have towards them where it's like, oh, no, we can't do that because we don't want any of the other GMs to get mad at us. 
And it's like, first of all, you are a grown adult. And like, this is a part of, this is something that you are supposed to be using to help better your team. And it gives you a competitive advantage if you're able to actually do it, you know, if you have the appropriate compensation for it. So I hate that it's Carolina. I know that some of the, the details are stupid, but again, I think if it's something that could maybe wake GMs up to this a little bit and you start to see it become a little bit more prevalent, I've it's it's not the worst thing, I guess. Yeah. So the thing is last year, like it's revenge for the, the Aho offer sheet. And people who I think didn't know the details at the time were like, what is the point of signing Aho to this offer sheet like Montreal did, where Carolina was just clearly gonna match it? And the upside was kind of just weirdly screwing around with the signing bonus. So it was like a $20 million signing bonus involved. So the, I think the cap hits, whatever the cap hits, the average, the, the annual payout per year, isn't bad. And the AAV wasn't bad either. Like they were obviously going to match it, but they had to pay like $21 million for the first year of Ajo's contract, which is absurd. And I think that's the way Montreal's trying to get it. Some people, some, uh, let's say athletic beat writers from uh, the cover, the hurricanes didn't understand it at all and thought it was so dumb, but it, there was some, there was some way of Montreal being like, well, maybe they can't afford to match that or may not afford, but like more like maybe Dundon doesn't want to pay that much money for this, you know, notorious cheapskate grifter. Like maybe, maybe they wouldn't do that. Cause maybe they won't pay $20 million for one player up front. And they were wrong. They will. And as revenge, I guess they're kind of doing this, but this is a little bit harder to justify. And it kind of gets to, the why why offer sheets aren't more prevalent which is the picks you have to give up Mm -hmm. like that i'd love to see more offer sheets but like the the compensation for them is so onerous it's like it, it almost seems like why would you do that now i'm looking at this one though like why is there really uh up that much upside for montreal matching it or not matching it i mean i mean i mean not really. What does the compensation fall under then with it being 6.1 million? I'm looking right now. Let's see. Uh, hold on. I'm looking right now, but I'll, I'll say this. Montreal should be bad next year. They've lost Weber probably for the entire season injury, at least the season. They've lost to no. They'll lost... get a first and a third next year if the Canadians don't match. Okay. So... Would you rather have the Hurricanes first and third or a recent third overall pick? I guess when it comes down to it, you've watched him for a couple of years. So do you, you, do you not have faith in him? Like he doesn't deserve 6 million this year, but like, if you're being honest with yourself, you're not competing this year. I know you were just in the Stanley cup, but you're not, you're probably not even going to make the playoffs. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, so is it really like, Oh my God, we have to have our cap situation be better. Like it's one year, which will be a weird thing, but then the hurricanes are kind of putting themselves in a weird spot. Cause I think even with this, they'll be worse than they were last year and the year before that, because they don't have Hamilton anymore, but it's like, okay, so you get this guy. If he's not good, you just paid $6 million and gave up a first and a third for him. And if he's, if he is good, then whatever, if he ends up being really good, you got to steal, you got to, a guy for not that much, but if he's just pretty good, well, you're going to, you're going to pay him $6 million again next year. I don't know. No, it's, that's, I mean, it's a really, really good question. I think at the end of the day, you know, there's one big winner 
And, and that's the player in this situation because oh, yeah. he's not going to get $6 million from Montreal or pretty much from anywhere else. If he was a U or if he, you know, if RFA rights didn't exist, he would not get paid that much. But as you said, we're talking about a guy who's a recent third overall pick and putting him in Carolina. I mean, maybe that's a situation where he thrives in, you know, Montreal does not have the forward depth that and, and firepower. I would even say too, for that matter, that, uh, that Carolina has. So if this guy's slotting in to be your third line center, that's not the worst thing in the world. I mean, yeah, it's $6 million you have tied up there, but I think as a two or a three, when you can insulate him with some, not insulate him, but when you can surround him with some nice wingers, um, that's not, not a bad setup for him at all. I mean, I would say, yeah, Montreal, I'm definitely in agreement there that they're not going to be good. So they're kind of in like a weird spot with this too. Um, but I mean, well, what about, let me ask you this before I even go on, if you're in Montreal, do you match this Taylor? Hmm. You know what? The first and the third, because you, because the other side of it though, is like, he is going to make a positive impact for the hurricanes. So if they continue on the trajectory, obviously losing Dougie Hamilton is tough. Um, Their goaltending situation is different this year as all three of their goalies from last year are out and they have two new guys in with Freddie Anderson and anti Ranta. I mean, they still are going to be a good team. They're, they're still going to be a playoff team next year. And if we're talking about a first, you know, next year's draft is going to be deeper, but it's going to be in the 20s. So do you think... Is it? For sure? I would think, yeah. I, I don't agree. You don't think Carolina... You really think Carolina is going to fall off hard? I'm not... No, no, no. I just think there's no guarantee it's in the 20s. I mean, they would have been in the lower end of the 20s not two seasons ago, I guess you'd say now last year, they were better. They were the, I think they won that division they were in, but like, that's when they were getting good goaltending and they lost their goaltender. So it's like, what kind of goaltender are they going to get? And they, they lost Hamilton and added coach at Kiemi. I think that's a net loss and they're going to be playing in a, in a pretty tough division, I think still. Yeah. I mean, I don't disagree with that. I just think that they have a lot of talent on the team. You know, I mean, I know, again, losing Hamilton is tough, but they're not bad. You have top-end talent with Aho and Sveshnikov. They have Tara Vinen. Vincent Tracek was really good for them last year. Um, Jordan Stahl, I mean, I know he's getting up there, but he played at a ridiculous pace last season, which I'm sure he's not going to be able to, to maintain. But, you know, looking at the rest of their roster, I mean, you have Jacob Slavin, who is easily a top-five two-way defenseman in the league. Um, it, or I can even say defensive defenseman maybe rather than, you know, cause he's not as offensively inclined, but you know, you got Martin Nikas, who is a good up and coming forward for them too. Um, I mean, they're not going to be bad. Like they're definitely not. So it, a lot of it is going to come down to their goaltending situation. And if Ranta can stay healthy and what kind of Freddie Anderson you're going to get too. Um, so I, it's going to be interesting. I don't know. I, I think that they'll still be good. I think that they're going to definitely be a playoff team. Not a, and not like a wild card playoff team. Like they're going to finish in the top three in their division. I bet. With the division realignment going back. Yeah, they probably, they probably will, but I don't know. I, I, 
that goaltending is it's what held them back from being better than they should have been like most years. Ronta, so he's 32. He played half the games in a season. He played more than 33 games in the season once. He played 47 games and was really good in 2018. Other than that, he's played in his career 25, 14, 25, 30, 12, 33, and 12. So that's a, I would call, not a, not a, as big of a risk as like, say, Carter Hutton, but like, it's a risk. Uh, the way, let's say like someone like Brian Elliott, who is much better playing 30 or fewer games than he was playing 41 or more. But I mean, it was like a 919 career save percentage. So mm-hmm. if he's splitting time with Anderson and Anderson's decent again, that's something, but uh, I mean, that's a, that's a gigantic question mark. Well, it is, but I mean, let's look at the rest of the division here because you have Columbus. I think that they're definitely going to fall off again. Like they're, are, they're just, they're not going to be that good. New Jersey, they are a huge question mark. They are betting on themselves. I mean, Hamilton obviously is the big high profile addition there, but you're looking at a at a tandem of Mackenzie Blackwood and Jonathan Bernier and net, which that's unpredictable. And it's looking at the rest of their roster too, if they're filled out enough, the Islanders, you're expecting them to be there. They, I think are probably the odds on favorite to win the division this year um, in the Metro. I mean, the Rangers question marks, Philly, huge question marks, especially after last year with not knowing what, Carter Hart is going to be this year. And also they just got Rasmus Ristolainen. So we'll see how that goes. (laughs) Uh, Pittsburgh, probably expecting a bit of a drop off there. Washington is another year old. Are you? I'm not. You don't think? No, their goaltending was horrific last year, particularly in the playoffs. Pittsburgh? Yeah. They got like, what's his name? Jari? How are we in disagreement then? I said that they're probably going to have a drop off. Well, I mean, if the goaltending's that bad again, then they will probably have a drop off, right? In in that case, yeah, I don't know. I mean, well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, they also they've also had a bunch of injuries. I mean, and they're older. Maybe they expect injuries. I don't that's, know. I mean, we've expected a drop off for Pittsburgh and Washington for at least a couple of years. That's fair. And, I mean, I think it's going to happen for. Ah, Pitt, I was going to say if it happened for Pittsburgh before, it really does for Washington. But again, like we don't know. I guess I guess the moral of the story is Pittsburgh and Washington are both getting up there. But when I say drop off, I'm not saying that they would be like completely out of playoff contention, like bottom feeder. That's not what I mean. But I'm saying in terms of competing for the top of the division, which is kind of where I would say the Islanders are the only team that I confidently would look at the division and say that they would finish ahead of the Hurricanes. Yeah, it's interesting. The Islanders were fourth last year in the division. And they weren't all that good. To, they actually haven't really been that good in the regular season any of the years. I, the yeah, season, I know, I but it's I mean, weird. But they are a strange team. But I'm of the other options, though. I mean, can you confidently say Washington, Pittsburgh, Philly, Rangers, Jersey, or Columbus, like the, that they would finish ahead of Carolina? Yeah, this is a weird. So Columbus, I think, is going to suck, and I think New Jersey it won't be very good at the very least. So it's, it's very strange besides that. I mean, I actually think the Rangers are going to kind of suck too based on this new direction they're taking despite them having a decent amount of talent. Unless like Lafreniere and Kako are significantly different than they were last year. But yeah, then like Philly, you know, they make the playoffs every other year for a long time now. So I kind of expect that to keep up. That's not really logical, but like they've done it for like a decade now. So mm-hmm. why not? And plus Carter Hart can't be that bad. I no, mean, he, definitely not again. So, and 
oh man, who did they add right before? Did they they made a good addition in addition to Ristolainen, didn't they? Did they get Ryan Ellis? They did. Okay, so that's good. They should be a playoff team. But I'm just saying, like, with the Hurricanes goaltending and losing Hamilton, you know, I kind of think they're as much of a question mark as anyone there now. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. I'm just saying I think that that division is potentially open for them. And I think that if you're oh, adding sure, sure. adding uh, Coach Niemi, like, into the mix for them, you know, he's going to obviously have to take a step, but – that helps yeah. them. He had five goals last year. Well, yeah, but I'm just saying, I think it helps him. Like he's, you know, he was a third overall pick. Yeah. Not facing his talent off of his draft position, but like, I, I don't know. I, I think I, I think that he'll end up if, if it doesn't get matched and he ends up going there that he'll contribute for them decently. So you asked me earlier what I would do if I was Montreal. And that's the tough thing is it's like, I'm not really Montreal. And that's the big thing. I'm wondering here, the trade I always bring up is the, uh, the Will Myers trade that the Royals made and got panned like eight years ago now or nine years ago. So Jesus, wow. Been a long time. That's crazy. That's been that long. It's like, you're giving up on this prospect when you have like, he's like 21, you have like six or seven years of team control and he's going to be cheap, uh, to get James Shields, who was under contract for two years and Wade Davis, who was a reliever and under contract for three. And, everyone laughed at it and now will myers is just like kind of an okay guy like he's not Mm -hmm. he was rookie of the year but like he's not an mvp level guy or really a consistent all-star so it's like they knew him better than everyone else did and now montreal is three years of looking at him and if they look at it they shouldn't here's what i wouldn't do i wouldn't balk at the six million dollars that wouldn't be what i'd be worried about i mean you're montreal you make you're you're one of the biggest fan bases in, in the hockey world so I'm not too worried about the money and I'm not too worried about the cap this year. Yeah. So what I'd be worried about is losing, potentially losing out on two picks and a pretty deep draft. If you're not confident in this guy and maybe you look at this and go, he had 20 points in his draft plus three season and five goals in 56 games. And just say like that, oh, that wasn't good enough. We're going to try again. Cause maybe who knows, maybe Montreal does a rebuild. That I can't even be- call that a, a last hurrah. Cause they haven't been good in like, six years so that was just a very random season um amid a uh disappointing era mm-hmm. but i'm sure yeah. they had fun oh yeah what do you think about people have i know you had kind of mentioned it before but montreal is a potential destination for jack eichel why would they do that i'm saying from the sabers perspective though picks yeah that's kind of what I'm thinking too. I don't think it happened. And I think that I think there is truth to the whole wanting him out West thing, or just, just away from here at least, but I would definitely listen if it's Montreal. Cause I don't think that they're going to be nearly as good, obviously, but I don't know how good they'll be just in general. Where did the no sign again? LA. Oh, that's right. Right. I mean, that's fine. I guess they'll probably be decent. I mean, they could make the playoffs in that, that division. Rough. Yeah. And what I'm seeing here is that the East is pretty deep with teams that are like good, but have potential flaws mm-hmm. aside from Tampa and the West is not. Yeah. Should be interesting. I mean, I haven't really thought about the Atlantic much yet because it hasn't been a division in two years, but Boston should be pretty good still, right? Maybe not as good as uh, 
these past couple of years. And well, they got Hall. Who knows how he is? Toronto probably be a playoff team at least. Mm-hmm. And Florida will be a playoff team. Wow, we're gonna finish yeah. last in that division, aren't we? Yeah. And I mean, man, no reason Tampa shouldn't just. Uh, they won't be as deep, but they should probably be Cup favorites again, shouldn't they? I would think. I mean, it's gonna be them, Vegas, and Colorado as the as the favorites for sure. Yeah, actually, now that you say that, it'll probably be Vegas or Colorado just because you're coming out of a mm-hmm. easier conference. Because sure. you know, one of these teams in the East won't have the flaws we're worried about, and then maybe the Flyers could make the. I mean, the friggin' Canadians made the Cup, and the Stars made the Cup two years ago. So who knows? Could always be someone random. It's very true. Yeah. The only rule is they can't win. Yeah, true. It's fine by me. <laughs> um, I, I think that this is going to be the year that Colorado or Vegas gets over the hump. Yeah. I mean, Colorado has a big hump to get over. Like they haven't been to the conference finals still. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, time will tell my friend. Do you have any last, uh, last thoughts you'd like to share before we sign off for the day? Hmm. Not really. It's still, uh, Still really hot out. Um, do a random saber. Sure. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna shout out someone who's not that random. Thomas Vanek. There's a great article uh, in the Athletic about Marco Rossi, his uh, time coming back from COVID and all all of he went through in the last year with myocarditis and all that. And Thomas Vanek took care of him when he was uh, in the U.S. U.S. Really? or Canada. Not Thomas Vanek he was on... back to medical school and <laughs> yeah. Dr. Vanek. Dr. V. Yeah, see, uh, Dr. Locks, right? Right? Friday Beers character, oh, get it? Because Oh, yeah. Real well, heads know. How do, we get, how do we get Friday Beers as a sponsor of, of Straight Up Sabres? That's what we really need. We'll know we made it then. Yeah, definitely. Let's uh, talk about that. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, shout out to Vanek. Really took care of uh, Rossi, got him to, like, doctor's appointments and stuff. You know, was a, was a good friend to him as a fellow oh. uh, Austrian. Love that. Love that. Well, my random Sabres player then in light of Thomas Vanek being yours will be Matt Molson from 26 to 26. That's right. And from really good to really not so good. It can happen overnight. It really can. It really can. Hey, having Jack Eichel in his house just sapped him of all his strength. Matt Molson. Yeah, it could have. I mean, that there's a good chance. We don't know this for sure, but maybe we'll get a tell all from Matt Molson someday. Wow. <laughs> I wouldn't read it, honestly. I would not either. Well, hey, I was going to ask too after we closed off, but I'll just ask you while we're recording right now and include this in the episode. You want to go see Shang-Chi? That's coming out this week. It's coming out this week? Yeah, man. Oh, Labor Thursday, Day opening. Thursday night. Yeah. Wow. All right, maybe. Yeah, I'll let you know. I'll text you. All right. Everybody, if you want to come see Shang-Chi with Taylor and I, Friday night, Regal Elmwood, <laughs> be there. Who's going to come out and see Last Night in Soho with me? You could be that lucky listener. Brendan <laughs> probably will not come. Maybe I will. All right. Well, oh, okay. been real. It's been see you, see you Thursday, everyone. Can't wait to see everybody Thursday. Everybody, once again, this show is brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. And as you heard at the top of the episode, make sure you're checking out our sponsor, DraftKings. 
DraftKings is where it's at for all of your daily fantasy sports betting. And make sure at checkout you're using our promo code THPN to take advantage of great deals. We will be back, as Taylor said, with a new episode on Thursday. Make sure you're also checking us out on social media in the meantime at Straight Up Sabres. And we, again, are going to keep teasing it until we could formally make the announcement. But we have some really cool news coming up soon ahead of season three. So make sure you are sticking around for that. We will talk to you all on Thursday, everybody. This has been Straight Up Sabres.